0: And I think it will be, there is two things. First thing is that I think costs are decreasing. And so we have hard time to imagine what will happen when most of the things will not cost that much money. And so if you have 20% of the revenue, but you don't need that much money, then the 80% of the revenue are not valued that much. Because capital has a relative value. It's valuable because it gives you access to things. But if most of the things are accessible without money, then or with much less money, then the value of having more money is not that important. Welcome to The Syndicate,
1: the podcast about the investors behind the overnight successes. It takes years, it takes money. On this show, we interview the top angel investors, venture capitalists, and startups to share what it really takes to succeed with startup investing. I'm your host, Matt Ward, and I'm a serial entrepreneur and angel investor. I believe startups are the future, and angel investing is the best way to build real, true wealth. To find out more about us, please visit thesyndicate.vc. But now, let's get on with the show. Hey guys, before we get started, I want to tell you about today's show sponsor, Carta. Carta simplifies how startups manage equity, track cap tables, and get valuations. Go to carta.com syndicate to get 10% off and learn more about how they can help you with managing your complicated cap table and keeping investors happy. Hey guys, welcome to The Syndicate, the show where we get the world's top investors, VCs, and entrepreneurial folks on to chit-chat about the future startups, tech, and investing. Today, we've got one of them, Usama Amar. Usama, thanks for coming today.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Matt.
1: So co-founder of The Family, that's quite a name, and I think it kind of signifies who you guys are. Tell me a little bit more about you. What's the story?
0: Uh, Story, we wanted to create a family for entrepreneurs. I have been an entrepreneur in France for 12 years before starting the family. And I had the luck to go in Silicon Valley in 2010. And I was amazed by how Silicon Valley was successful and, and really good at helping people. And one of the jokes I often do about the Valley is that what is really extraordinary about Silicon Valley is that very average people succeed there. Uh, <laughs> because, the, because the ecosystem and don't don't take it wrong, I think it's it's a great achievement. It's because the ecosystem is so good and, and there is so much infrastructure support that is invisible for the people. People don't realize that in places like France or Europe in general, it can be so hard to launch something. And so we, we got this idea that the European ecosystem is toxic. That doesn't mean that good startup cannot happen. It just means that a lot of good startups die way too early. And if you want to change that, you want not to copy and pass Silicon Valley, but you want to create your own version of an infrastructure that is compatible with Europe. And that will be an amazing helper on the long term. And if you think about the mission of a family, family educate, protect, and finance people. And that's exactly what we want to do. We want to educate entrepreneurs and teach them the know-how of how launching a startup. We want to protect them from this fuzzy environment and give them all the tools they need to be better entrepreneurs and stronger entrepreneurs. And we want to help them get the best investor possible. The project is a name and the name is a project. Why
1: is Europe toxic for startups?
0: It's toxic in the sense that there is so many things that have been built never that have never been designed for entrepreneurs, but it makes the entrepreneurial path really harder. I will give you a very simple example. If you are a lawyer in Silicon Valley, your only clients are startups. The city is specialized for startups because every big companies around in Silicon Valley have been a startup one day and they have startup needs. If you are a, a successful lawyer in Paris, there is a high chance that your clients are very old-fashioned families and you will do startup on the side as a problem. And if you do startup on the side, it's in the same category than social uh, impactful things, then your probability of building something that is really meaningful for the startup and, and providing a service that is meaningful mm-hmm. is very low. And that cultural kind of clash is very, very different. So a lot of startups in Europe for a lot of years faced this situation where being a startup was weird. And of course, that changed a lot in the last five years. And I think the family is part of that movement. But we still have a lot to do. There is still a, um, a growth fundraising gap there is still a lot of talent that are not startup compatible there is still a lot of big companies that um, you know are kind of incumbents against the startup and 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 so if you think about how Europe can like very simple fact Europe did not build any company that is valued 100 billion in the tech industry and and that we need as European to really ask this question hard to ourselves we need to be hard on ourselves about why we don't have a Google in, in, in France, uh, why we don't have a Facebook in London, why every company when they reach 5 billion, 6 billion, 8 billion, they sold. Uh, why they don't stay autonomous and build empire and 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 that's the proof that it's almost impossible to do it and and that's a proof that we need to work on the environment to do it better
1: so i know if you've ever if you've ever been to the gym and you think you can do something you have a good chance of doing it if you think you can't it's just not going to happen how much of the the disparity between the outcomes do you think is mental how much of it do you think is the environment how much is regulatory Uh,
0: I, f- I think everybody overestimates regulatory. I think regulatory has an impact that is very low because every good entrepreneur can treat regulatory as a back-end. You can have a very messy back-end and you can somehow find a way to survive. And I think it's it's maybe 90% mental. And this reference thing that you are talking about is something very important for me. When I arrived in Silicon Valley, everybody knew a billionaire. (laughs) So like growing up in France, I would never have the chance to meet one. And I think that has a huge impact on the community. Like if if these people are casual and accessible, it makes the success looking possible. And, And that's where, for example, someone like Xavier Niel in France changed the game. It's one of the first Tech Billionaire in France. It's super casual, super accessible. He comes and talks to our entrepreneur, for example. And that has a huge impact because the, the funny thing, we will never tell Xavier like, oh, Xavier will not watch this show. But one of the my favorite sentences I hear when Xavier comes uh, at the family is people telling me, after all, he's not that impressive, you know? Like, <laughs> And Xavier, I'm sorry if you watch this show one day. But, <laughs> but that is a very good news, is that if you can make these people look more human, then more humans want to be like people. And and that's where building a family uh, a group of people working and learning together work that some will be successful, some will not be. It created a different reference mindset and it helped push everyone to the
1: top. Do you think, do you think the socialist structure of Europe makes life a little too easy compared to, compared to the more brute, raw, in yeah. some sense, evil capitalism of the US?
0: Yeah, I don't think it's true for California. Uh, I think California is more socialist than most of the places on earth. I think there's a lot of storytelling here. Like, I know Californian people like to think that they work hard. But I never saw someone after 5 p.m. in a startup in Silicon Valley like I think people in Paris work harder than in Silicon Valley it's just that they are better at, at this marketing of pretending that they work hard so and, and again all of that comes down to general storytelling you, you tell one of the things we tell our entrepreneurs at the family is that if you're a French entrepreneur or if you're a European entrepreneur it's like being a minority in the Ivy League uh, university you need to outperform you need to be better Barack Obama um, apparently never cheat on his wife Donald Trump can and shit every week. <laughs> it's not the same standards.
1: And then yeah. we have, yeah, we have Trump,
0: God. Yeah, now you have Trump. And so, so I think I think that's what is about in Europe. It's about telling people that we need to be the top zero-one person. You know, one of the very wrong advice we give to, to European uh, entrepreneurs is that they can be less ambitious than an American one. If you are a European entrepreneur, because you will not be considered as serious as an, as an American one, you need to be more ambitious. You need to deliver more. You need to, to go faster. You need to be stronger. Uh, you need to be more capital efficient. You need uh, to not waste around. You need to work more. And 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 this culture come down to the realization that there is no reason you don't have a chance at succeeding too. And and I think like the what we call the European socialism is kind of of not not that expensive. Uh, if you look labor cost in Europe in general, maybe we have social tax, but we don't pay engineers three hundred thousand a year. And and that's a different kind of uh, of cost. And and that's an opportunity to be more capital efficient so there is no excuse around that it's more a mentality it's more like how do you treat that you know
1: and then having to be over the top thing that's even more applicable to to women in tech and women that are founding businesses they have to enter an environment which is generally speaking more male dominant you need to you need to prove your leadership prove your chops
0: same thing. Exactly. You have to overachieve and fortune. What
1: Sorry. industries are you most excited about? Sorry? What industries are you most excited about investing in?
0: Um, so I'm very agnostic in terms of industry. What really turned me on is um, scaling part of an industry. Like our thesis about at the family is that entrepreneurial age will be like the industrial age. During the industrial age you can take every industry and see the version before industrialization and the version after industrialization. And, and, and the the funny thing is that I think we will be able to industrialize everything. We did that during the 20th century and we will be able to scale everything. So every industry will have a scalable version. There will be a scalable version of agriculture. There will be a scalable version of transportation. Maybe already with you. Uh, there will be, every industry will have this scaling scaling version. And our job as a family is to accelerate that transition. to so take every industry. And that's where Europe, I think as an edge, because there is a lot of traditional industry with a lot of traditional experts that you can bring an hacker mindset to and build businesses that will be impossible to build in Silicon Valley. For example, one of our best startups is called IRECOL. Uh, they produce strawberries in shipping containers. So they take a shipping container, put a little robot inside it, and produce strawberries that are better than any strawberries you add in your life. And, and I'm French, I can I have, I have a good judgment about what's a good strawberry is. And, and you see, we that kind of company will be kind of impossible to build in the valley because you don't have the talent pool to build that level of agronomics, precision agriculture, and all of that. That, in France, all these people are bored in a traditional job. And you can come and hack them and tell them, let's do something. Let's use that knowledge to do something that is extraordinary. Let's scale strawberries. And then Agricool is now kind of a, an amazing and unique company in the world mean that.
1: I wanted to take a quick time out to tell you guys about today's show sponsor, Carta. As a founder, investor, or startup employee, you know that most of the wealth in the tech industry, it comes from equity, it's not from salary. But how you manage equity, how we manage equity, it's broken. It can be complicated to figure out who owns how much of a startup and to share that important information and documents between companies and VCs. And for VCs to see how investments are performing real-time, that's incredibly important for raising your next fund. Many investors and companies still use spreadsheets, paper certificates, and slow-moving service providers to keep that kind of information on hand and to share with prospective investors. These tools and services that are used to manage equity, they're dated, they're slow, And it's funny given that VCs and CEOs are the ones creating the future, but Carta fixes the cap table equity management problem. They offer cap table management, valuations, full service fund administration, all in one platform. More than 600,000 employee shareholders from companies and VCs at firms like Slack, Coinbase, Flexport, August Capital, Founders Fund, all these guys and more, they use Carta to manage hundreds of billions of dollars in equity. To simplify how you manage equity, use Carta. Get 10% off today at carta.com slash syndicate. It'll help you with simplifying the cap table, which will make it easier for you to raise money as a startup and easier for investors to get on board. Carta.com slash syndicate. Let's play devil's advocate. Let's say every industry does scale and we get to those 80-20 dynamics of 20% having 80% of the market. What happens when suddenly 80% of the market has only 20% of the the income and we start having essentially most of the market and most of the jobs gone?
0: Yeah, you'll have a huge revolt. I mean, it's, it's obvious. It's obvious what will happen. And I think it will be, there is two things. First thing is that I think costs are decreasing. And so we have hard time to imagine what will happen when most of the things will not cost that much money. And so if you have 20% of the revenue, but you don't need that much money, then the 80% of the revenue are not valued that much because capital has a relative value. It's valuable because it gives you access to things but if most of the things are accessible without money then or with much less money then the value of having more money is not that important
1: so an uber and airbnb yeah exactly
0: a uh, good example of that. Uh, and the second thing is that, of course, there will be a very hard transition for that. And and my co-founder wrote a book about that called Edge, uh, where he said we have to invent the safety net of a world where everybody is doing like that. Everybody have this very, very violent revenue in their life, a lot of edge risk. You need to edge. And, and I think we will have to imagine a safety net that is compatible with this time. So I know that Silicon Valley is big on basic income. I don't think it's a solution for a lot of reasons, mostly because it's it's about something as stupid as giving money to people that don't need it. It's not... It's not a solution, but but building a real universal insurance are against transition risk and technological risk is something our generation will need to come up with. We will need this radical imagination in public policy. But it's it's like every movement you create tension, and tension are solvable. And and you always I'm I'm a big optimist. You always find out kind of a solution.
1: So what happens? Attention is always solvable, but it depends on how fast attention plays out. Yeah, we can use right. that we can use the weights example again. If I go try to do something that's ten times what I can do, I can't handle it today. That's but if we right. do it over the course of ten years, that's another story. Yeah. How do we how do we plan for that as a as a tech community versus saying technology will solve it?
0: I think we need to we need to be become geek in public policy and, and this kind of subject and we need to be interested a little bit more by politics. The tech community rational with politics is politics doesn't matter. I think the tech backlash, Mark Zuckerberg in the Congress, and Donald Trump at the White House is something that made obvious that politics matters. And so maybe now we can start this conversation and we should all have constant debate about the impact of technology we are building, and being smart about that, thinking that at the end of the day, the very long term interest of our user is a very long term interest of our society. There is a kind of alignment of interest if you think long term for your user, and if you think long term for your for for society it's kind of convert and and so we we need entrepreneurs that are obsessed about the long-term impact of what they are doing and trying to do better and of course nothing is perfect at the end of the day you know I don't believe in utopia. I don't believe in dystopia it's just a mess that is a constant struggle and a constant leverage and, and fighting force and you need to pick a side. But saying that I'm neutral in terms of politics is something that nobody can say soon.
1: Yeah, it's just it's just becoming more and more foolish. What country, what country, what set of entrepreneurs do you say, would you say is doing the best job overall? If you had to if you had to base the world around one economy, one political structure, who do you think is doing the best?
0: Uh, I'm a big fan of Denmark, to be honest. It's not a very no country. They found this model that's quite unique where they have a lot of freedom, able to try a lot of things, but in the same time they have, they have this very efficient public services and they have like this huge respect for public money where they think that if they spend one dollar of public money this dollar should be super super efficient and all Danish people are beautiful so that adds to the, to the Is your wife Danish? <laughs> no, no but, but she agrees uh, <laughs> so so yeah so it's, it, it's kind of uh, it's a kind of a very fascinating country in that sense the funny thing though is that and that's what where as an investor I'm kind of conflicted I, I don't know if anyone in Denmark can build a billion dollar company because your life is so cool it's too late
1: it's too laid back yeah that, was the, yeah that was
0: the thing yeah yeah it's exactly so that's that's where that's where France is interesting in that sense is that we have a kind of a good social security and social system but people are super super ambitious because in France it's an ego thing so maybe you can have a society that protects the people and have some people that that this ego thing, where they want to build universal empire, and because they want to build an universal empire, it works out. I don't know. I don't know if there is a really someone that stand out. But but people in Denmark seems like we spend a lot of time with the family in Denmark recently. We are thinking about launching something there, and it's funny how people seems happy there. It's it's, it's surprising. Like it's something you really feel when you visit the place.
1: Yeah, happiness is a function of quality of life and quality of life is not a function of things. It's interesting how we forget that, especially in the West. Yeah, that's true. What are the biggest mistakes you see entrepreneurs making?
0: Oh, uh, (laughs) the easiest one that everybody will say. So who decisions are always the most dangerous decision you take and people have a tendency to not believe their instinct about people, not measuring how the downside of not believing. Your instinct about people can be bad and on the other side they tend to believe their instinct about business when they don't see that the downside of uh doing something that your instinct only in business is not that low it's not that high so i think as an entrepreneur you should learn to become this little bit of a jerk but always always trust in instinct about people because if even if you miss one good guy one day out of you know your instinct it's it's not that a big deal, and on the other side, you need to learn to do counterintuitive thing in business because the real value is when you start to do really counterintuitive things. In and and I think we are all wired the other way around because of our education. We are educated to be nice up with people and to trust how smart we are. And I think as an entrepreneur, you should tell yourself, okay, as an entrepreneur, I will not maybe be nice universally because it's not my job to be nice. My job is to give feedback. My job is to be true to people. My job is to select the people that have the right to work with me because it's not a universal right. And on the other side, I'm not that smart. So maybe I should experiment more and be more radical about experimentation. I think that's super helpful.
1: I want to jump to the lightning round. A couple of rapid fire questions. Sound good? Sure, sure. First investment you made and how'd it go? Uh,
0: first investment I made, it was in my co-founder company, uh, Nicolas Collin. Uh, I don't even remember the name of the company. And it went terribly bad. There was this point where, where I was telling Nicolas, look, my money is lost anyway. You just should just leave this company. I mean, it will never go somewhere. Maybe we should do something together. So, it, it, so in a sense, I don't know if it was such a bad outcome because I gained a co-founder. But yeah, it was a funny experiment because at that time, I like the funny thing is that I would never see myself becoming an entrepreneur. An uh, investor. You no, know, I was on the entrepreneur side. And, and one day, Nicolas told me, do you want to invest? I was like, yeah, take my cash. I, I went, it's like, and then the cash was lost. And I was like, ooh, that's that's funny. It went quick. <laughs>
1: Learning experience, right?
0: It <laughs> went super quick.
1: Two biggest wins as an investor?
0: Our biggest win as an investor now is a company called Effit. It's uh, it's an amazing company we have in our portfolio in France. Two years old, rich incredible milestone in revenues. Um, they do a like it's easy to understand. They are doing a payroll system in the most complicated country in the world where they're doing payroll and because of that they need to create an infrastructure that now scale amazingly internationally.
1: Definitely slows down the growth though if you've got to put in all that extra work initially.
0: Yeah and no, not if you create something that then become a huge global unfair.
1: Fair point, fair point. What about
0: uh what about biggest misses? Anybody huge that you passed on? Yeah a lot unfortunately i think the biggest one recently was voodoo in france they just raised at 1.5 billion they wanted to join the family uh we wanted them in and we had like it was one of the worst here of our history because in, like the family got created in 2013 in 2016 when they tried to join us it was a transition year where we went from the family being a solo man show run by me to something more run by by a team a deal flow team blah blah and, and it had been a mess. It's our worst year ever. And, and that company tried to join that year, and we just send an email to the wrong mailbox and forget about them. And then the company became really, really big. And, and every time I move the team, I remind them that we lost that day 100 million. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of money. And we did it collectively. And, and I think I have 99% of the responsibility. But I can pretend it's a collective. Uh, it's a collective mistake. So it's our boogeyman the family you know when i tell a junior team member yeah don't remember voodoo and the name is great voodoo you know like your biggest name, it's, the
1: old, it's the old crazy the scary <laughs> yeah, ghost stories Yeah, exactly it happens shit happens what about what's overhyped today outside of
0: icos <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was the easy answer <laughs> yeah and definitely AI. I cannot stand to hear a pitch with AI again in my life. AI is a great tool. Like, I did this joke today to a journalist. I told him, you don't pitch electricity in your company, so stop pitching AI. So It's like... Nobody's like, oh yeah, my company is a is a leader using electric energy to No, tell me the value you are offering. And and AI is not a value proposition. I'm I'm so tired of the hey hi ha. And by the way, it's much more artificial than intelligent anyway. So you know, the thing that is as in his name, artificial intelligence, you know, it's like why artificial? Is it smart or not? And 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 yeah, I, I don't know why everybody's obsessed about AI. I mean yeah. as an industrial tool of course it's great, but, but as a Investment thesis is late. If I had
1: to guess, the way they're building AI probably won't be the way if they can build artificial general intelligence. That it happens, it, okay. it doesn't. It doesn't feel like adding on complexity leads to simplistic innovation. Yeah. But we'll we'll see we'll see what it plays out. What uh, if you had to come up with a startup right here on the spot? What would it be? What problem would you solve?
0: Oh, uh, there's one that obsessed me from a, a very long time. I, I I I want to rebuild kindergarten. You know, when you are a kid between three years old to seven years old that's the time frame we have as a society to make you a good person. And, and what happened in this place is so random that is very unfair. And I think the potential of human beings is totally underserved because you can increase IQ. You can increase emotional intelligence. You can increase a lot of aptitude at this age with a huge impact on all your life. And all the studies are there and there is a lot of interesting things, but nobody builds a McDonald's of kindergarten. And I say McDonald's because it's cheap. It should be a, it should be a massive cheap dominant thing bad things and maybe I will do it one day because I love kids so so it's like it's, it's it's really like I'm thinking about that from 10 years I just wait to be older because it looks creepy if a young guy comes like oh, I love kids
1: if you're married with kids it's okay if you're not <laughs> yeah, exactly okay. and that's, if, that's, you're
0: sing- if you're single it's terrible yeah that's what I told my wife I'm working on the first year so I can be get rid of the beard get rid of the beard and that'll help <laughs> so, so I can take them you know as a, as a trial and error to this project I can try with our own kids and then be like look it works on them let's let's scale that
1: your kids will, your kids will love that the case study
0: right <laughs> yeah exactly
1: <laughs> osama osama where's is, what is the one thing that you are contrarian about the the belief that you have that others don't
0: uh I- yeah, um, that's a hard question because I have hard time to know what people believe. But but there is one that I all, often do a joke about. I say uh, if poor people have more empathy for rich people, the world will be better. Um, and I think that's pretty contrarian. I think not a lot of people will be comfortable to say that in public. And and I think that because I think an increase of empathy on social layers of uh, of society increase general happiness of everyone. Of course rich people need more empathy for the people that have hard means but having people with no means feeling the, the the problem of the rich create a more comprehensive society and and we should be happy that people are successful it's one of the saddest thing in the world is that success is something that produces jealousy and of course it's natural, but if we can find a way as a society to prevent that and, and create, it will create a massively better society.
1: I think random democracy would be great. We just have a lottery and we pick people randomly. Then you get average people and you don't have a bunch of white asshole lawyers leading the every country yeah. on earth, right? I-
0: I would love that. It would be interesting. Love, I would love that as an experiment. Yeah.
1: I'll propose it when I run for president. I've got a few more <laughs> years. So, uh, Usama, where's the best place for people to find you, learn a little bit more about the family and what you do?
0: So, thefamily.co is a good start, our website, mm-hmm. and 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 Twitter. Uh, it's at Daedalium. Daedalium. Uh, D R D E.
1: And links and all that in the show notes. What's the okay. significance of Daedalium, by the way?
0: Um, so, it's in, in Greek mythology, it's a guy that builds a labyrinth. And I'm kind of a geek of labyrinths. I love labyrinths. And he's seen as the first inventor and first architect in the Greek mythology. And I like the guy a lot. And, and and you know, he, he flies with Eucharist, and carries flight too high and on himself. And he's a constant reminder that success is a bitch. Like, if... If you look successful people they all end up being stupid at some point and and it's something that obsessed me i really wish to to stay as as hungry and as as you know committed to work as possible for as long as possible
1: i think that's great feedback if you do start that kindergarten don't tell the parents about the labyrinth thing though it's a little <laughs> creepy <laughs> yes, this, is, this has been uh, this has been fun thanks for coming on today with
0: thank you man thank you very awesome.
1: much if thank you guys man. enjoyed this the syndicate.vc thanks for tuning in make sure you subscribe and if you haven't checked out my new podcast, podcast Disruptors.fm. You can check it out there. We have incredible folks changing the world in every area of exponential tech. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening to The Syndicate, the podcast where angel investors and VCs go off the cuff and discuss the ins and outs of the venture ecosystem. We're here to share the tips and tricks of the best in the business because startups and tech make the pie bigger. To learn more about us and what we do, visit thesyndicate.vc. And to join our syndicate on Angelist, just go to join and get access to some of the best startup deals. This has been another episode of The Syndicate. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys again next week.